Welcome to Unity of Fairfax, a positive path for spiritual living and spiritual center for education, practice, and service in Northern Virginia. We hope you find inspiration in this week's message. So, have you ever sat there and looked at your life or looked at the world and thought to yourself, what is this all about? I mean, so let me give you an example. So I had my sabbatical from March 1st through June 1st of this year, and it was great. And I spent the first part of it just being downright angry. And I thought, why am I so irritable? What is this all about? I mean, there I was. I was free to do anything I wanted to do. Um, well, I mean, within pandemic-related restrictions. And, and, and I just felt angry. I was just cranky. I was grumpy. And I, I, I couldn't will it to go away. And I couldn't pray it to go away. And, and I sure as heck couldn't annoy it. And neither could Anthony, for that matter. Um, but part of it, I know, was that I'm a high extrovert. And, you know, I'm, I always had somewhere to go or something to do, even during the pandemic, because staff could still come in and do our work. And I didn't have anywhere to go. And I didn't have anything to do. And I didn't have any meetings to attend. And there was nothing for me to do except housework. <laughs> I don't want to do that. And I'm not really very good at it. Um, we have an expert in the house who can attest to that. So, so there I was, being cranky and grumpy, and I got this thought from out of the blue. And you know what we say, out of the blue is another name for God. So I got this thought from out of the blue that said basically, hey, dude, why don't you just settle down? Why don't you just feel the anger? Why don't you just be with it and see what it has to tell you? Maybe... Just maybe it has something for you. It's bringing you a gift. You know, I often say the universe doesn't waste energy, but we do. So I thought to myself, okay, if the universe is going to give me this experience of being grumpy and cranky, let's see if there's anything to it. So I decided I would not resist it. And in my head, between my ears... I began a sort of a spiritually-based conversation with anger. But here's the thing. Anger and I kind of have a strained relationship. It's not really the best emotion that I share very well. Anybody else have strained emotion or strained relationships with part of yourselves? Is that just me? Okay, see, thanks. I feel better now. See? So I won't bore you with all the drama that went on between my ears, but part of what emerged for me in this experience was that what was coming out of anger was sadness. Sadness was coming out as anger. And part of the sadness was I looked around the world and I saw a lot of people suffering. Well, there's a pandemic, so it's not hard to miss. And anger said to me, what, what, what anger said to me was, you feel sad. And you can do something about that, and I can help you. And I thought that of myself, Mark Twain's famous quote, anytime anyone comes offering help, I always run for my life. Okay, well, and the anger said, well, settle down, settle down. So what emerged for me, believe it or not, was a seven-week talk series entitled Vibrant and Victorious Living, Breaking Free to Be Your Best Self. And this is week one. 
But here's what I realized as I asked myself, why do people suffer? <laughs> well, how much time you got? We can give all kinds of reasons. And, 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 but I realized, though, that we have to know the facts of the matter before we can apply the truth to the matter. We have to know what are we dealing with if there's a problem or challenge before us. What is it? Let's just call it out and say what it is. And then we can use our truth principles, our spiritually based teachings, and address it and apply them so that we might alleviate the suffering, alleviate the anxiety, and get back to that point that we might call serenity or peace of mind or, or just helpfulness in body, mind, and spirit. So in my dialogue with anger, I discerned three, three broad categories. It's the new math. Um, three broad categories as sources of suffering. Now, I have to add, there's another tradition that does a great teaching around this, and that's Buddhism. So if you're not familiar with Buddhist teachings, please become familiar. They are rich and complete and full and helpful but my take, the three that I came up with, were grounded in my own lived experience in the 20th and 21st centuries, which I realize makes me 200 years old. <laughs> I'm looking good, right? So, so 200 years old. So uh, we'll go through them very quickly. So the first are natural disasters. So natural disasters impact everyone. So awful as they are, you don't really have to take them personally, unless, of course, your name is Dorothy. So, so this series won't address climate change, but here's the thing. Every one of us can do something to alleviate the challenges of climate change. This is a big problem. We can do something about it. So the second source of suffering that I've witnessed and lived in my own experience is what I call external causes that are not acts of nature. So in this category, I lump things like systemic racism, corrupt dictatorships, economic policies that exacerbate wealth disparities, power plays by politicians and groups of individuals that incite violence and ignorance, you know, stuff like that. So history books and news feeds document that great and needless suffering has been and still is the result of collective consciousness and collective actions of things like these. And for generations, people of faith, all traditions, have lamented these sins. And I do invoke the word sin deliberately. And these same people in faith traditions of all different kinds are continuing to work for spirit-driven solutions that create a world that works for everyone. But even though those things aren't the focus of this series, all of them can be remedied by where we're going in our Vibrant and Victorious series. For this series begins with the point where all healing and all empowerment begins in the minds and in the hearts of individuals. People like you, people like me. Let's take a breath and switch gears for a moment. In these seven weeks, we will explore seven life polarities, which, when brought to light, will allow us all to make the choices that empower us to be our best and strongest selves. Now, recall that the definition of polarity is this. It is the state of having two opposite or contradictory tendencies, opinions, or aspects. 
Now, if your human experience is anything like mine, and I do notice you all have skin on, so I think there will be some similarities, you will probably have experienced a number of polarities in your life and lived on both sides of them, such as happy or sad or healthy or ill or six-pack or two-liter abs. I mean, there's any number of them that we can live through. But the ones that I would like us to address are the ones that are fundamental to our self-perception and our sense of self-awareness, which is the basis for all of our thinking. It's where everything starts from. Because our sense of our self-awareness and our self-perception forms the basis of our thoughts, which become words, which becomes actions, and voila! We have created the world in which we are living. So hopefully, our self-perception and self-awareness have led us all to vibrant and victorious living. And if not, well, there's good news. We can begin again right here and right now. Can I get an amen? Amen. Thank you. So here are the polarities. They're on the slide behind me acceptance and shame. Oh, are you going to talk about shame in church? Absolutely. Miss Wolf can, I can. Are we going to talk about redemption and guilt, enthusiasm and apathy, wisdom and ignorance, curiosity and fear, love and hatred, benevolence and greed? So I want to do just a quick run through of those. So an internal experience that many people have that keeps them from, and dogs, that keeps them from living vibrant and victorious lives is that they have, in greater or lesser degrees, adopted the belief, I am bad. Three simple words. And they've adopted this belief in response, no doubt, to something someone has said about them, something they've read on the internet, or a dominant cultural norm into which they did not fit. So a task for those of us on this spiritual path is to come to accept the truth, capital T truth, that I am an individualized expression of the creative magnificence of God. Or put more simply, I am inherently good. Secondly, Guilt is a feeling or a state of being. And everyone at some point or another, I'm sure, has said or done or not said or done something that they regret. Yet guilt, if understood through the lens of truth, again, capital T truth, can itself point the way to redemption and to vibrant and victorious living. We don't have to be afraid of it. We don't have to like it. And we'll talk about it next week. Third, whenever I hear words like whatever, or I don't care, or does it make any difference, we know what we're talking about. We're dealing with apathy, which comes from the Greek words meaning without feeling. In the week three of this series, we'll explore ways of addressing and escaping the inertia of apathy and awakening our capacity for zeal and enthusiasm and get out there and do it energy. Because apathy is a problem. Maybe you've experienced it at some point, but it doesn't have to dominate your life. 
that can be awakened. Now, in the fourth week, we'll address the dichotomy between wisdom and ignorance. And to have a vibrant and victorious life does not necessarily mean having tremendous intellectual achievements. It does, however, mean being open and receptive to understanding both worldly facts and spiritual truth in order to create the best life for yourself and to help co-create it for everyone else as well. Well, there's no shortage of wisdom in the universe. It is a divine idea seeking to be expressed in, through, and as every single one of us. Now let's talk about this polarity between curiosity and fear. And you might be curious why I've put those two things on the same continuum. Well, that's good. I was hoping you would feel that way or think that thought. Because what I've realized is that all too often, people limit their capacity to have a vibrant and victorious life because they fear something or someone that they don't know or don't understand. In my case, in March, I'm sitting around the house and I have to, being angry, and I have to admit, I was afraid of what anger might tell me. I was afraid of what I might learn. But the whole energy shifted when I became willing to be curious. Curious about what the anger was about. Curious about how spirit might move me to find the blessing in it. See, curiosity says, okay, I'm willing to step back. I'm not going to judge it. I'm just going to see what's there first. And find the, the gold, as it were. Then we're going to come to love. There's that wonderful scripture out of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And the greatest of these is love. You know, we could talk about love and feel about love and never exhaust it. Because as it also says in our scriptures, God is love. Whatever you conceive divinity to be, it is at its core love. And yes, amen. And it's a far cry from what we would say about hatred. So the reality is, though, that these two energies exist in our hearts, sometimes in our minds, and definitely in our world. So what will happen, and I say will, not would, what will happen as together we collectively work to transform the venom of hatred into the salve of love? one of our core values here at Unity of Fairfax is love in action, and that's what we are about. So I'm eager for us to get to that week of the series. And then we'll wrap up our seventh uh, talk on this message, on this series, with an examination of the benevolence and greed polarity. Ironically, even though greed may have at, at, at its root self-preservation, it is ultimately poverty thinking on steroids. So in that place, in, in that week, what we want to do is grow our experience of benevolence. That is the quality of being well-meaning and kind. And see what happens when we lean into that as the antidote to greed. Sounds like fun, right? You're just like, yeah, I'm just like, so there. 
Well, I am because I've been learned, leaning into these ideas and these concepts. And I'm thinking how much suffering would be eliminated between my years or yours or the world if we put an emphasis on where we want it. But we can't uh, address, apply the truth to the matter until we know the facts of the matter. We've got to call it out. And it always begins in ourselves. Let's breathe. I'm going to change gears. There is a subject that I absolutely loved, and that subject is etymology. The study of the history of words. Obviously, I make my living from words. But words have power, don't they? You know, it's like the power we saw in the video with the puppies being told, you're not good enough. There's something wrong with your butt and your nose. Wow, powerful words. Because we know words can wound as well as the fact that wound, words can heal. And I want to use the power of words for good. And I'm guessing that's why you're here in the room and you're here online, because you want to do that too. You want to be an agent of constructive change for everybody. And I also love that 1927 Max Ehrman poem, The Desiderata. How many of you are familiar with it? Well, good. You're going to be a little more familiar with it in just a moment. And my favorite line in that poem is this one, which I'll share in context in a moment. And it says, you are a child of the universe, no less than the trees and the stars. You have a right to be here. It aligns with unity's second principle that affirms the inherent divinity in everyone without exception. And yes, this does include those at the bottom of society, whatever you consider that to be, and those at the top of society, whatever you consider that to be. Nobody is left out, and nobody is inherently bad, even though there are times we might wish that were the case, because that would make us feel better about pointing our fingers. But no one is. You know, shame is the experience of not knowing or accepting the truth of one's inherent being as goodness. Let me repeat that. No one is inherently bad. Shame is the experience of not knowing or accepting the truth of one's inherent goodness. So our task is to replace shame with self-acceptance self-love, wholeness, and the remembrance that we are each an individualized expression of the magnificence of God. The word desiderata, let's come back to that, is an interesting and powerful word, more so when you understand its origins. The word as it is known in English, desiderata, is actually the plural form of the word desideratum, which means, oh, this would be a great spelling bee word, by the way, but it means something wished or longed for. However, the Latin roots of the word literally mean coming from a heavenly body or constellation. So the poem ultimately expresses the wish or the longed for desire to know and to live life, being fully aware of one's heavenly or divine origins. I just love that. It was just like this little added layer of empowerment. And again, that circles back to you are a child of the universe. You belong. 
I want to continue this topic a little bit more next week, this idea of self-acceptance. I want to add a little more to it. But for right now, I invite you to allow the words of the Desiderata to rest on your heart as I bring my comments today to a close. Go placidly amid the noise and haste and remember what peace there may be in silence. As far as possible without surrender, be on good terms with all persons. Speak your truth quietly and clearly and listen to others, even the dull and the ignorant. They too have their story. Avoid loud and aggressive persons. They are vexations to the spirit. If you compare yourself with others, you may become vain and bitter, for always there will be greater and lesser persons than yourself. Enjoy your achievements as well as your plans. Keep interested in your own career, however humble. It is a real possession and the changing fortunes of time. Exercise caution in your business affairs, for the world is full of trickery. But let this not blind you to what virtue there is. Many persons strive for high ideals, and everywhere life is full of heroism. Be yourself. Especially do not feign affection. And neither be cynical about love. For in all the face of the aridity and disenchantment of life, it is as perennial as the grass. Take kindly to the counsel of the years, gracefully surrendering the things of youth. Nurture strength of spirit to yield you in sudden misfortune, but do not distress yourself with dark imaginings. Many fears are born of fatigue and loneliness. Beyond a wholesome discipline, be gentle with yourself. You are a child of the universe, no less than the trees and the stars. You have a right to be here. And whether or not it is clear to you, no doubt the universe is unfolding as it should. Therefore, be at peace with God, whatever you conceive God to be. And whatever your labors and aspirations and the noisy confusion of life, keep peace with your soul. With all its sham, drudgery, and broken dreams, it is still a beautiful world. Be cheerful. Strive to be happy. Peace be with you and namaste. Thank you for tuning into Unity of Fairfax podcast. You're welcome to join us live in Oakton, Virginia, every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. or view our live stream services from our website at unityoffairfax.org. We appreciate our donations to support this podcast to make our message of positive, practical spirituality more accessible to all. See you next time.